the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Sue Free Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. Now, here's Sue Freeze. Thank you so much for joining the Sue Free Show. I'm so thankful to be with you today. Listen, I've had I've had a tough week. Um, my mother in love, my mother in law, she went to be with the Lord, and um, it was a beautiful ceremony. And I was there when she actually. Um, took her last breath and she would always say that that I was her daughter and um, I felt like she was my mom and I don't want to stay in this other than to say that I learned so much watching her and her family and people that she had touched and impacted and I am hoping that I have that type of impact I don't know if it's even possible because the things that stood out so much was her love and her faith and her devoutness, which I, I take as devotion. Um, she was devoted. She was devoted to our Heavenly Father, and she was devoted to her family and, and her, you know, her kids, her grandkids, her great-grandkids. And everybody was impacted by her. And I am hoping that I can be just even a fraction of what she was and I could impact even a fraction of what she did in her um, impactness. Uh, so, embracing imperfection, the beauty of our flawed selves. Leonard Cohen said, There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I love that. I love that because, you know, I pray, <laughs> Lord, just let me be the light in the darkness. I just want to be the light in the darkness. And sometimes that means be bold, sometimes it just means to put your hand on somebody. Sometimes it's just a smile saying you're going to be okay. Sometimes it's just showing value to that person. Having that person realize that that person, even though she she or he is having a tough day, that they're valued. They're valued and they're valued in his sight. And they might not even be a believer. But if I share his love through just being sensitive, then that's a good thing. I read in his presence quite often. And I'm going to read right now because I want you to hear, this is Jesus talking to you. Now, um, that might seem a little odd to some of you, but it's really good. So just pretend that Jesus is talking, not Sue Freeze right now. Come to me and listen. Attune yourself to my voice and receive my richest blessings. Marvel at the wonder of communing with the creator of the universe while sitting in the comfort of your home. Kings who reign on earth tend to make themselves inaccessible. Ordinary people almost never gain an audience with them. Even dignitaries must plow through red tape and protocol in order to speak with royalty. Though I am king of the universe, I am totally accessible to you. I am with you wherever you are. Nothing can separate you from my presence. 
When I cried out from the cross, it is finished, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This opened the way for you to meet me face to face with no need of protocol or priests. I, the King of Kings, am your constant companion. Isn't that good? So here's some scripture. I always like to refer to scripture. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens my morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. That's Isaiah 54. Isaiah 55, 2 and 3. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock split, Matthew twenty-seven fifty. Do you get a visual? Do you get a picture there? What is he saying? He's saying that he wants you to come to him and he wants you to open your ears and listen. That's not easy for everybody to do, is it? It's just not. So so the question is, how to listen to God? How do you listen to God? I'm going to give you some tips. Are you ready? First, we must be intentional in our focus, which means that our time and calendar must reflect our heart's desire. Look at your calendar and look at your pocketbook, and you will know more about where you spend your time and what your treasure is, where your heart is. This means setting a regular time each day to get alone with God. This can be at home, on a walk, in your car, in the morning or evening, or both, or whatever works best for you. A good tip is to find ways to eliminate the distractions. I find that if I have a regular appointment, it's easier for me to keep it. You know, in our calendar where we have new things coming and going every single day, which I do, <laughs> I'm sure you do too. Uh, it, it's difficult sometimes to orchestrate or juggle all those things. But if you have something that becomes a habit, it's something that you do every day, then it becomes easier on you because you don't have to think about it. It's just kind of what you do, kind of like brushing your teeth maybe, or taking a shower. What distractions do we have? How about a salesman at the door or on the phone? Or maybe our time schedule or a deadline. How about television? That one is easy. Just turn it off. And I think in this day, our phone, our cellular phone with social media and emails and texts, that's another distraction. You know, I hear people, they say that they put their phone on a charger in another room. And when they get to their bedroom, that phone is not anywhere to be seen or heard. And it's in another room. And I think that's healthy. Also, what I'm finding now is with the x-rays, the, you know, all of that extra stuff that's going on that you shouldn't have it near your head, shouldn't have it near you when you're sleeping. So they say put it on airplane mode or how about just having it in another room and just have your sleepy sleep and your quiet time be quiet time. I'm working on that. Number two, second, we must listen with an open heart and attitude. This means being open and receptive to God's guidance and instruction and being willing to obey. Okay, so... Okay, we need to be uh, ready for his guidance and instruction and 
be willing to obey. God is looking for ways to talk to you, and you will be encouraged to see how he brings favor when you bring an attitude of surrender rather than selfishness. I learned a long time ago that out of obedience comes blessing. And I have two, I have three grandkids right now, two that are walking. And I have to say that teaching them obedience is something that you need to teach. And the earlier and the sooner you get them to understand that when you say, come here, that they come here. Or if you say the word stop, you shouldn't have to say it more than once because it's a safety issue. It's something where their life could be in jeopardy. So you have to look at priority urgencies of certain things, and obedience is important, especially for our little ones. We want to make sure that they're safe, that they don't get hurt as much as possible. And until they understand the why, they're just going to have to obey. Interesting, isn't it? And and the Lord's like that, too, because sometimes, you know, he says, you know, it's not for you to understand. He He does give you reasons, and he gives you whys, but sometimes it's way over your head. You know, he's got the bigger picture. He's He's got the Google Earth, right? And he's looking from up above, and he's seeing the whole thing, whereas we're just seeing what we see and what we understand at the level in which we understand. Our God, he's much bigger than we could ever be, and sometimes we just have to believe and be obedient to what he's telling you to do. Third, we must trust that God has a message that is personal for our provision, protection, and purpose. Those are three Ps, actually four. And that's really good. Personal for our provision, protection, and purpose. This means trusting God during both difficult times as well as joyous or rewarding times. We must realize that God loves us and is the only one who can sustain us and will provide for our every need. Putting our trust in him demonstrates a listening and willing heart and ultimately reflects our love for him. When we listen and obey, we discover that life is full of promise and purpose, and we become more confident in God's plan for our lives. Do you want to understand God's plan for your life? Some of you, maybe not. You might be listening right now from a country station. You might be listening from a Christian station, and you just kind of happened against this dial, and you you just kind of stumbled across this show. And this is the Sue Freeze Show. Sue Freeze, spelled like friesoneword.com. There's a website for you. There are 14 years of podcasts uh, available to you. Just by going there, it's free. You can listen at your leisure. And anything that you're going through, there's a topic. There might be a interview with another expert in the field. Uh, you, you'll be able to find that just by going to Sue Freeze, spelled like fries, one word, dot com. When we listen and obey, we discover that life is full of promise and purpose, and we become more confident in God's plan for our lives. I'm repeating that because I think we need to understand that that is how important that is. First of all, I love to be confident, and I love to understand promise, and I love to understand my purpose. So with this, he's saying that if we listen and obey... We will discover. We'll discover those things. Who wants that? Do you? I do. I want that. So good listening. How good of a listener are you? Think about your relationships. And what do people say about you? Do they feel like you're really listening to them? Do they feel heard? And if the answer is no, then maybe you need to practice this. Good listening requires patience. 
Do you have that? They say patience is a virtue. Are you patient? I, I am not so patient. Can I just say that? I am not a patient person. And I want people to get to the Reader's Digest, and some of you might be too young to even understand what Reader's Digest version is. But Reader's Digest would be the summation of a topic or whatnot. You didn't have to read the whole novel or the whole book. It would just give you the, the Reader's Digest, the, you know, the, the summary of whatever they're trying to, t- to say. You can get it in a summary, and, and I go for that. You know, I, I will admit it when I go to a book. I read the back first. I like to get the end before the beginning. I know. I'm just saying. That's me. I'm personality. Um, so a kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. This, he says, is an impatient, inattentive listening that is only waiting for a chance to speak. Perhaps we think we know where the speaker is going and so already begin formulating our response. Or we were in the middle of something when someone started talking to us or have another commitment approach in, and we wish they were done already. You know, I'm just going to be vulnerable and transparent right now and say that I'm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of this. My son, he says, you know, I wasn't finished or, um, I, I didn't, I didn't complete what I was starting. And I said, well, I, I thought I knew where you were going. Well, okay. So no, I, I maybe didn't know where he was going. And in doing that, I devalue his conversation I devalue and I'm not patient with the conversation so I am going to work really hard and I'm going to be aware of what I'm doing and what this is and I'm going to focus on this and I'm hoping that you know in a week or two weeks time I can ask my son say hey have you felt more listened to lately have you felt like I've interrupted you at all because I've really been working at this and get his um, account on what his feelings are because he might not be aware that I'm working on it and I'm not going to give him a heads up. I'm just going to work on it. Uh, I, I usually don't say things in advance. I usually wait and make things or allow things to happen and then say, you know, it's like uh, writing a book or doing this or doing that. If people say, gosh, you never, you never said you were doing that or you never told me that. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't do that until it's, it's actually accomplished because I just don't want to, I just don't do that. Poor listening diminishes another person while good listening invites them to exist and matter. Positively, then, good listening requires concentration and means we're in with both ears and that we hear the other person out till they're done speaking. See, that's what I'm not doing. Rarely will a speaker begin with what's most important and deepest. We need to hear the whole train of thought all the way to the caboose before starting across the tracks. I like that. I got a visual. How about you? Good listening silences the smartphone and doesn't stop the story, but is attentive and patient, externally relaxed and internally active. It takes energy to block out the distractions that keep bombarding us and the peripheral things that keep streaming into our consciousness and the many good possibilities we can spin out for interrupting. When we are people quick to speak, it takes spirit-powered patience to not only be quick to hear, but to keep on hearing. Okay, I heard that. Okay, I get it. Okay, you're speaking to me right now. (laughs) Okay, I'm working on it. Okay, number two, good listening is an act of love. So true. So true. Half-eared listening despises the brother and is only waiting for a chance to speak and thus get rid of the other person. Poor listening rejects. Good listening embraces. 
poor listening diminishes the other person, while good listening invites them to exist and to matter. And I said at the beginning of the show that I wanted people to feel valued. So this, I'm devaluing them by not letting them get it all out. Even when it's the he said, she said, and then, even with that, I've got to just sit there and listen to all of that, and and then I'm truly going to be a good listener and show value to that other person. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. Good listening goes hand in hand with the mindset of Christ. It flows from a humble heart that counts others more significant than ourselves. It looks not only to its own interests, but also the interests to others. It is patient and kind. Wow. This is Philippians 2 through 5 and 1 Corinthians 13, 4, which is the love chapter. Good listening asks perceptive questions. Okay, so after you listen, then you ask questions to get more comprehension, to understand deeper. This counsel is large in the Proverbs. It is the fool who takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And thus gives an answer before he hears the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Not just a man, but it could be a woman, right? Good listening asks asks perceptive, open-ended questions that don't tee up yes-no answers, but gently peel the onion and probe beneath the surface. It watches carefully for nonverbal communication, but doesn't interrogate and pry into details the speaker doesn't want to share. Be sensitive, right? Be sensitive. Be, but meekly draws them out and helps point the speaker to fresh perspectives through careful but genuine questions. They need to come up with their own answers. We just need to ask the right question to help them with their answers. You're listening to The Sue Free Show. Sue Free, spelled like com. Please go to my website and connect with me there. I'm all about the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. And connection is so vitally important to the health and the wealth and the everything in my relationships. I need to be connected. So connect with me and just let me know what's going on in your life. If you need prayer, anything that's going on, nobody reads these but me. So feel free to reach out and you can be um, transparent and real with me because I am transparent and real with you. Number four, good listening is ministry. According to Bonhoeffer, there are many times when listening can be a greater service than speaking. God wants more of the Christian than just our good listening, but not less. There will be days when the most important ministry we do is square our shoulders to some hurting person, uncross our arms, lean forward, make eye contact, and hear their pain all the way to the bottom. Good listening often diffuses the emotions that are a part of the problem being discussed. Sometimes releasing these emotions is all that is needed to solve the problem. The speaker may neither want nor expect us to say something or anything in response. For cultivating good listening, put more emphasis on affirmation than on answers. Many times God simply wants to use me as a channel of his affirming love as I listen with compassion and understanding. Often a person can be helped merely by having someone who will listen to him seriously. At times, what our neighbor needs most is for someone else to know. This is good, isn't it? Isn't this good? Because we're called to do these things. 
So do an assessment of yourself and see if you were um, a good listener. Are you patient? Are you looking at things to show value to other people in your interactions with them? Whether you're on the phone, you know, you're, you're making a phone call or you're talking to someone in person or you're texting or you're emailing. I need help here, too. So I'm just making a mental note to myself right now that I, you can hold me accountable, you know, because you're hearing what I'm saying. So you can hold me accountable. So I can't really hold you accountable unless you connect with me and tell me what you're going to be working on. I'd love to hear from you. I truly would. And uh, I will respond to you. And um, I think it would be good for us to connect. So please do that. Sue Freeze, spelled like fries, one word, dot com. And um, this is part one of a part two show. And there are more. It's more coming after the break. And we're going to go into um, good listening prepares us to speak well. And do you understand what your ministry is? Do you understand why you're here on this earth? There was a time when I looked up at to heaven and I just said, God, who am I and why am I here? Do you understand who you are and do you know why you are here? Because I think it's crucial that we understand this. And why? Why? Because when you have choices in your everyday life, if you have the goal, you know, run the race to win the prize, what is the race and what is the prize? And if you are clear it makes things so much easier to choose wisely. Would you agree? It just, it makes things so much clearer if you know the direction in which you want to go. It's just like goals of, you know, your success or significance on this earth. Are you clear on that? You know, part of it is, is, you know, my, my mother-in-law, she, she just left and she's in heaven now. And, and part of it is, is she was planning her funeral. She was planning it from start to finish. And have you thought about that? Have you thought about your last day here? Have you thought about what people are going to say about you, about the impact you've had on their lives? I think it's important that we think about these things. And when we do this, it's going to make a difference on maybe instead of reacting to whatever's coming our way, we can take a deep breath and respond maybe better and think about what God would do or what Jesus would do. You know, how would he handle the situation and what is the main goal? Is it to be right? Or is it to be right with God? Is it is it for to be understood or to understand? You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And in the celebration, you know, I had the opportunity where I could, could have got up and spoke. But I felt like my position was not to be that person even though I felt like there was things that I wish I could share. Um, I just felt like I wasn't being led to do that. And so I didn't. And I think I did the right thing, even though I still um, think about, you know, it was an opportunity where I, I could have maybe cleared the air. But, you know, it's not all about me. It's about what God wants. And in that in that time frame, it was what God wanted. And I think there was so much healing that went on with everybody that it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ceremony, beautiful, beautiful, everything. So think about what's going to happen on that last day. What, what is it going to, what are they going to say about you? And what could you change today? What could you do different today that would change the outcome for that? I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's very important for us to understand what the goal is. 
It is. It's so important to understand what the goal is. So I want you to be a blessing to someone each and every day. I want you to, in your personal contact with people, do your best to show value to that person. However that is, whatever you need to do, just do that. And be a blessing to someone each and every day. And we will be back with part two right after this brief break. Have you noticed more insects or rodents in your yard or maybe in your home? Warmer weather means it's mating season. What's your sign? Hi, this is Sue Freeze of Ecola Termite Pest Control, but you can call me the Termite Lady. And I'm Tyson Freeze, manager at Ecola. When pests start mating, they start looking for food supplies. Your pantry, your garage, and a quick infestation can cost hundreds in tainted food. You don't want pests in your house. We know how to find and eliminate them before they can settle in. Call us for our free pestimate at 877-332-BUGS. New customers get $50 off any initial treatment. Pests hate that we make our service so affordable. Don't let insects and rodents move in. Call E. Cola now, 877-332-BUGS. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. E. Cola, powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. E. Cola, 877-332-BUGS, termitelady.com. What would you do if your two-year-old child simply stopped breathing? The day businesswoman and author Sue Freeze discovered her son had developed life-threatening asthma, her life changed forever, sending her on a path of learning, discovery, and environmental activism. Sue's book, Learning to Breathe, chronicles her amazing life-and-death battle for her son Tyson's life, a how-to manual for parents of children with asthma, revealing the secret causes, surprising cures, and the untold truth about harmful indoor allergens. Written with the passion of a loving mother, wisdom of a successful businesswoman, and deep spiritual devotion, Learning to Breathe is a hero's journey for the parent in all of us. If your child suffers from asthma, this must-read book could save your child's life. Learning to Breathe by author Sue Freeze, available on Amazon, or log on to SueFreeze.com. That's SueFreeze.com. SueFreeze.com. You're listening to The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. And here again is Sue Freeze. Thank you so much, Ecola Termite and Pest Control, for sponsoring this show. I'm so thankful for Ecola Termite and Pest Control. They've been sponsoring this show for 14 years now. And if you'd like to sponsor, we'd like to talk with you. Uh, you know, if you're a business and you're not sure if this is the right medium for you, radio, then um, you could try it with me. You could be a sponsor on the Sue Freeze Show, which is a fraction of the cost. And you could test the waters. And we have this show goes from San Diego. Thank you, San Diegans, uh, Orange Countyans, LAans. This is where it goes all the way up and down. Uh, Reno Valley, Riverside, San Bernardino, um, LA, Los Angeles, and Mission Hills. And then we have Oxnard, Ventura County. And then we also have uh, Santa Maria, Orchid, all the way up to San Luis Obispo and actually north from there. Uh, if you have customers just in that area, we can actually do that too. So just contact me by going to Sue Free, spelt like fries, one word, dot com, and I'll be happy to help you with that because I've been advertising for years and years and years, and I think I know just a little bit about it. And now doing this radio show, I know a little bit about that for 14 years in the business. So um, I'm going to continue on with this, talking about our flaws and how we can change our flaws to 
to just be more, be closer with the Lord through our actions and decisions that we make. And um, so I'm going to just continue on. We did one through four in part one. Now we're in part two, and we're going to keep going about listening. Um, You know, how important is listening? Good listening prepares us to speak well. That's true. You know, you listen so you can speak well. All right, so the best ministry you might do today is to listen to someone's pain all the way to the bottom. Sometimes good listening only listens. The minister's best by keeping quiet. But typically, good listening readies us to minister words of grace to precisely the place where the other is in need. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. While the fool gives an answer before he hears, Proverbs eighteen thirteen, the wise person tries to resist defensiveness and to listen from a non-judgmental stance, training himself not to formulate opinions or responses until the full update is on the table and the whole story has been heard. To be real and vulnerable, I had a conversation with my daughter. My daughter is 38. She's got three kids. I'm the proud grandparent of her three children. And we have some difficulties, although we have so many memories, and she knows I love her, and I know I, that she loves me. Um, but we have some difficulties um, talking. So she really wanted to share her experience and, and where she's at. And she says, um, I am going to speak this, and I know this is probably going to hurt your feelings. And it was hard to take, but it was something that I needed to just hear her out. And in doing so, I think there was some healing. Yes, I still need to work through the details. But I think just by me being quiet and not interjecting, not getting defensive, but just hearing her out, I feel that there was some healing that went on, and it will continue to heal. Uh, she sends me pictures of the grandkids when I'm working, and I've you know, got battles going on, and then all of a sudden she sends me a picture of her her grandchild or my grandson or my granddaughters. And it just brings joy into my life in, in impacts me in a positive way when I've got all of this pressures and battles going on that are in the negative world. So it's such a blessing to me to have that. And I really desire, and I've asked the Lord to give me discernment and to give me a spirit of healing um, towards my daughter and my son so that we can have a deeper, better relationship in the spirit, um, God-centered, so that we can, you know, do the best and be the most with what God has given us. So good listening reflects our relationship with God. Our inability to listen well to others may be symptomatic of a chatty spirit that is droning out, drowning out the voice of God. He who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and for his own follies. Good listening is a great means of grace in the dynamic of true Christian fellowship. Not only is it a channel through which God continues to pour his grace into our lives, but it's also his way of using us as his means of grace in the lives of others. It may be one of the hardest things we learn to do, but we will find it worth every ounce of effort. God's sheep recognize God's voice 
Do you recognize God's voice? Are you one of his sheep? According to Jesus, we are his sheep, the flock of his pasture. John 10 expands on this wonderful theme as Jesus' sheep. We should be able to listen to his voice and follow him because we clearly recognize his voice. Jesus is able to lead us precisely because we hear his voice and follow after him. The gatekeeper opens the gate for Jesus and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. In the next verse, Jesus makes the point that we should not follow any other voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Later, Jesus alludes to the Gentiles who will also hear his voice and follow him. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Our Lord Jesus is very happy to lead us as his disciples and those who follow him should be able to hear his voice and receive the guidance we need. It is part of our birthright when we are born again by the Holy Spirit and become followers of Jesus. But what about those other voices? How can we be sure we are hearing only from our Lord? Tuning out the other voices around us. God has given us authority in Christ to silence the other sources and clear the way to hear God's voice and be confident that it is God speaking. Just before ascending into heaven, the risen Lord Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Earlier when Jesus commissioned his disciples, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, sending them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. After this, Jesus sent out 72 others to do the same. They returned with joy and said to Jesus, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirit submit to you, but rejoice that our names are written. So what do we do with that? Okay, I I find that having the authority to rebuke Satan is so important. You know, I've had people, and maybe you have too, that have uh, spoken into my life negatively. Uh, that is not what God would say about me. And it took a lot of time and uh, healthy boundaries that I had to build to say that is not truth because I know truth because I know his word. And I know that he speaks truth over my life. And he's speaks truth over your life. So if somebody's speaking into your life that is different from what you believe God would say about you because he loves you, he created you in his image, and he wants you to fulfill the purpose that he created you for. So anything that is going to take you away or snub you or make you feel less than, unworthy, then those are not words from the Lord. The Lord says, you are victorious. The, you know, he says, I am victorious. You can say that. Say that right now. I am victorious. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If somebody says something different from those things and more, which you can get three pages of I am's off the Sue Freeze, spelled like fries, when we're dot com. This is the Sue Free Show, and I'm telling you that your life will be changed forever. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's in Matthew 
And the IMs can help you do that just by printing them out. They're free, three pages. You read those at morning and at night. Read them out loud so your brain and your soul hears your voice speaking these words over your life. And don't listen to the enemy. Don't listen to people that say things that are contrary to what God would say. Because you are worthy. You're worthy to receive what he has for you. He created you. And he has a he has a purpose for you. And the devil doesn't want you to win. He doesn't want you to fulfill that. And he's going to do anything he can to, to keep you from doing that. So you don't want that, right? So you rebuke it. Say, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And always use Jesus' name because Jesus is where the power is. The blood of the Lamb, Jesus. You need to speak Jesus' name. And if you can't say anything else because you don't know anything else, if you know the name of Jesus, I'm telling you this works. It works. Just say it out loud. Jesus, Jesus, and he, and the devil and his workers, they have to flee. That might sound out out, out there. I, I realize that. Just try it. Just do it and believe it. Believe it by the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. By the name of Jesus, you must flee. In the name of Jesus, I spit on you, and you have no place with me or my family or my friends or my business. Speak the name of Jesus. So embracing imperfection, the beauty of our flawed selves, that's, that's where I started in part one. In the pursuit of perfection, we often find ourselves ensnared in a relentless cycle, a pursuit often rooted in the shadows of our formative years, where love and respect may have been scarce commodities. This relentless chase is fueled by a fear of judgment and a sense of inadequacy, a silent whisper echoing the sentiment that we are never enough, just as we are. It is a journey fraught with illusions, a mirage that seems to promise happiness and fulfillment, but often leaves us feeling empty and unfulfilled. It is like chasing the horizon, a pursuit that is as elusive as it is destructive. Shattered mirror reflecting not our true selves, but a distorted image of who we think we should be. However, it is in the acceptance of our imperfections and flaws that we find our true selves. Our humanity embracing our imperfections does not make us less. It makes us more relatable, more interesting, more human. It is like finding beauty in a worn doll, seeing the stories and experiences etched in every imperfection, every flaw. It is a journey of self-discovery, a realization that our flaws are not something to be hidden or fixed, but to be celebrated and embraced, a testament to our unique journey through life. Our shared flaws and struggles foster a deep sense of empathy and connection among us. When we see our imperfections reflected in others, we realize that we are not alone in our struggles, that our flaws are a shared human experience. It is like finding solace in a shared silence, a mutual understanding that words cannot convey, a connection that goes beyond the superficial and delves deep into the essence of our being. It is through this connection that we find strength in vulnerability a shared compassion that binds us together in our shared human experience. Have you ever been with somebody where something they did really annoyed you? And you're going, gosh, why does that really annoy me? And then you do a self-search and find out that you have that same thing. Isn't that interesting? So it annoys you with someone else, but yet you do that too, or you have that. And that's a good time to say, hmm, I have a choice here. I'm not going to do that anymore. Or maybe I need to do it just a little different. It's really interesting how it reveals itself that way. 
Self-compassion is not just a concept. It is a practice, a daily reminder that we are all worthy of love and acceptance, flaws and all. It is a gentle whisper amidst the cacophony of self-doubt and criticism, a reminder that we are enough, just as we are. It is like a warm embrace on a cold day, a beacon of light in the darkness, guiding us towards self-love and acceptance. It is through self-compassion that we find peace within ourselves, a tranquility that radiates outward, touching the lives of those around us. Isn't that beautiful? You know, when we acknowledge and own our flaws, it's not a sign of weakness. It is a catalyst for personal growth and development. It is through this acknowledgement that we gain a deeper understanding and acceptance of others, seeing the beauty in their imperfections, just as we see it in our own. It is like peeling back the layers of an onion, revealing the core of our being, the essence of who we are. It is a journey of transformation, a metamorphosis that allows us to spread our wings and soar to new heights, inspiring others to do the same. In the dance of life, it is our flaws that make the dance beautiful, a symphony of imperfections creating a melody of human experience. This is the Sue Freeze Show. Sue Freeze, spelled like fries, one word, dot com. Go to my website, check out the podcast, check out the IMs. I want you to know that the pursuit of perfection is a mirage, a fleeting illusion that often leaves us feeling lost and inadequate. It's crucial to remember that it's our imperfections, our flaws that make us uniquely human, that make us real. It's time to embrace those imperfections, to see them not as blemishes, but as badges of our journey, our struggles, our victories. It's in the acceptance of our flaws that we found our strength, our true beauty. It's like embracing the worn, the broken, the imperfect, and seeing the untold stories. The unspoken wisdom, the unseen beauty within. So let's not hide our flaws. Let's celebrate them. Let's own them and let's share them with the world. For it's in our shared imperfections that we find our shared humanity. Is this good or what? I urge you to practice self-compassion, to be your own best friend, to love yourself unconditionally, flaws and all. Remember, every flaw is a reminder of your journey, of your growth, of your humanity. It's a testament to your resilience, your courage, your spirit. It's time to see the beauty in the broken, the strength in the struggle, the light in the darkness. Let's be kind to ourselves. Let's be kind to each other. Let's spread love and acceptance in a world that so desperately needs it. Let's be the beacon of light that inspires others to embrace their flaws, to love themselves, to see the beauty in the imperfect, the imperfect Let's create a world where everyone feels loved, accepted, and valued as they are. This was a newsletter that I got from LinkedIn, believe it or not, and I loved it so much because I can relate so much to every single word, even when it talks about dance and metamorphosis. You know, I am a dancer. I I compete in dance, and I have to tell you that just Being on the dance floor is amazing. It's a miracle that I'm on the dance floor because I had an accident and broke my leg in a million pieces. And two surgeons put me back together again. And the Lord, of course, the Lord was there. And he is the, the almighty healer and miracle worker for sure. 
and um, I'm dancing again. I'm not only dancing again, but I'm skiing again, water skiing. And that's another passion I have. I've always loved water and uh, loved water sports. And so I didn't think I was ever going to get to water ski again. And I'm air chairing because I didn't think I was going to be able to use my leg. So I air chaired just so I could still feel the wind and the water and the sun and all those wonderful things and be in the boat. But I am back on my ski again, and I'm going to buy a new ski. And I'm excited about that. I've got to have boots that are easy to slip in and out but hold tight when I'm skiing um, just because I want to be careful with my leg. And I'm riding a horse again, which is how I broke my leg in the first place. So all the things that I love doing, I'm doing again. And I have to tell you, I just feel so blessed, so fortunate. And there's a whole new appreciation for those things because I always loved them and I knew I loved them. But when you're told that you're not going to be able to do those things again, and then you are able to do those things, there's just this new appreciation. And isn't that the same with people? Is that we never have tomorrow. We don't have a promise for ourselves of tomorrow or the people that we come in contact with. You know, with my kids, I hug them and I tell them I love them every time that I leave because I don't know, maybe maybe I won't be there the next time and maybe that's the last remembrance they'll have of their mom. And I just want to make sure it's a pleasant one. I never want to leave in a situation where it's not pleasant and that they don't feel loved because I love my children and my grandchildren with all my heart. And uh, I love my sisters and, you know, my employees. I have some loyal employees. I, I read something recently and it says that... Um, you want to surround yourself with people that will defend you when you're not in the room. And I have people like that that work for me. I have friends like that. But if we do an account of who we hang out with, can we just really be honest and say that we should only spend really a lot of time with those people that will defend us when we're not in the room? I think that's really important. And it hit me so hard when I read that because I thought, gosh, there's so much truth to that because, uh, you know, the other can happen. So obviously we know that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And Jesus gives us authority in silence on for the enemy, submitting our own thoughts of God. But what about our voice? How can we be sure we are not hearing our own thoughts? In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul suggests that we can also take authority over our own thoughts to make them obedient to Christ. So true. That's the I am's. You guys go to the I am's, get them and read them every day. For thou, we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Every thought. We have to hold our thoughts. We have to hold our tongue. Words that we shouldn't speak, don't speak. Think before you speak. Your tongue is a two-edged sword. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. What are you speaking? Are you speaking truth? Are you negative? Are you speaking negative thoughts? Are you speaking negative thing, uh, negative words? What are you speaking? What are you putting in? What are you putting in your mouth? What are you putting? What are you allowing in your ears? What are you allowing yourself to watch? Guard your temple. Protect your temple. 
live a righteous life. Think about your choices. My mom used to say, uh, Susie, you're going to have choices that you make every minute of every day. You will suffer the consequences or reap the rewards of your choices. And that goes for each and every one of us, doesn't it? Is that, you know, we, we can't protect our children completely. When they're young, we do our best. But will they slip and fall? Will they hit their head? Will they get a cut or a splinter? Yes, they will. My grandkids, I mean, oh my goodness, my little Dakota. I went to the park with my daughter, and she had the little one in the in the stroller, little boy, Tex. And then we had Montana, who's around four. And then Dakota. And Dakota's the middle child, and Dakota is just all over. And we're in the circular slide, and I have to tell you, she's in the front. I'm up there with her in the mouth of the slide. And the slide curls around and then comes out at the bottom. Tiana's at the bottom with the baby in the stroller. And I said, here she comes, and she was straightforward. All of a sudden, she turns her shoulder. She ends up going backwards, head first, down the slide. I stopped breathing. I said, Tiana, catch her, catch her, because she was going to go out that slide head first. And I'm like, oh, I stopped breathing. I couldn't even stand it. And luckily, my daughter, quick reflexes, she was right there with one arm catching that little girl. That's my Dakota, she says, laughing. And I'm like, oh, my word. I just, oh, my gosh, I just couldn't even handle it because I was responsible. So listen, our Heavenly Father wants to protect us. And if we keep his promises and we keep his word and we do what obedience, you know, out of obedience comes blessing. Be obedient to what the Lord's saying. Listen for his voice and he will guide your path. Be a blessing to someone each and every day. We're coming to a close. There's part one, part two. Go to Sue Free, spelt like fries, one word dot com. And I want to connect with you. So connect with me. Would you please connect with me? I want to hear from you. And I'm hoping this has been helpful. God bless you. Bye for now. It's that time of the year when bugs multiply like crazy and start looking for a home, your home. Ants, spiders, fleas, earwigs, termites, and a lot of other creepy crawly critters, even rats and other varmints. It's time to call E. coli Termite and Pest Control Services. They offer complete ecological pest control of rodents and insects. E. coli has one-time services, ongoing monthly services, their most popular and economical every-other-month service, and even quarterly service for occasional pest problems. E. coli keeps rats and mice out and eliminates insects in their nests. It's the most effective way. And their termite control is legendary. So call E. coli today for a free estimate of complete pest control at 877-332-BUGS. No more creepy-crawly critters like ants, spiders, fleas, earwigs, termites, rats, and other pests. Call them at 877-332-BUGS. 877-332-BUGS. E.C.O.L.A. Powerful pest control services as gentle as a butterfly. Ask about their two-year warranty. Call 877-332-BUGS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.